Here is the latest Higher Summits forecast brought to you by our friends at the Mount Washington Observatory. Weather above treeline in the White Mountains is often wildly different than at our trailheads. Before you hike, check the Higher Summits forecast at mountwashington.org. Weather observers working at the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory write this elevation-based forecast every morning and afternoon. Search and rescue teams, avalanche experts, and backcountry guides all rely on the Higher Summits forecast to anticipate weather conditions above treeline. You should too. Go to mountwashington.org or text FORECAST to 603-356-2137. And here's your forecast for Friday, February 23rd, and Saturday, February 24th. We have an active alert here. They're calling for a wind chill advisory in effect from 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Saturday through 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Sunday. So it's going to be dangerously cold this weekend, and here we go. So Friday, in the clouds with snow showers, additional snow accumulations of a trace to 2 inches with a high in the upper 20s. Winds will be shifting to the northwest at 20 to 35 miles per hour, increasing to 25 to 40 miles per hour with a wind chill 5 to 15 above. Friday night, mostly in the clouds under mostly cloudy skies with a chance of snow showers, possible additional snow accumulations of a trace to one inch. The low is going to be around 5 degrees with northwest winds at 25 to 40 miles per hour increasing to 45 to 60 miles per hour with gusts up to 70 and the wind chill is going to be falling to 20 to 30 below. Saturday, in and out of the clouds, trending towards clearing under partly cloudy skies, starting with a high in the lower single digits, decreasing through the day to around five below. That's, that is cold, um, to say the least. Northwest winds at 45 to 60 miles per hour, increasing to 55 to 70 miles per hour west, with gusts up to 80 miles per hour, with the wind chill falling to 40 below to 50 below. studio in the great state of new hampshire welcome to the sounds like a search and rescue podcast where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the white mountains of new hampshire here are your hosts mike and stump
yo yo Art Stomp episode 141 141 141 Having what are fun we, uh, What are we going to do tonight? I have no idea You want to tell the listeners what just happened? <laughs> we, we had a little technical difficulty So we had connectivity issues So we were going to have um, Eric Hamilton um, Sir Maps a lot Who um, has written a recent book Called The Other 52 A Hiker's Guide to the Lower 52 Peaks Of the New Hampshire 100 Higher So these are like a list of a lot of bushwhack hikes and more obscure hikes. So it's like, it's right up Stomp's alley. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Eric just was in a, he was supposed to, he was, thought he had Wi-Fi. He was dialing in um, on a cell connection and it's yeah, just. In the Adirondacks. Not only that, Stomp, but I also wonder <laughs> like if the, this whole like AT&T cell phone, sun, solar flare thing. Good question. With the cell phone connections is probably messing things up too. So um, I would think so. Yeah, but we're going to have Eric next week, so it's all all good. How many people lost their service today? Was that part of it? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many 40, people 000. lost cell connection. I'm a Verizon guy, but I think yeah. it was a pretty good volume of people, but it was a lot in the south and the southeast. Yeah, so. gotcha. All right, yeah, no so. worries. So he'll be back next week, and we will uh, dive deep with uh, Eric next week. No, yeah. Not a big yeah, deal. So. We have a ton, of, ton to talk about. Yeah, so we got a bunch of stuff here. So uh, welcome to episode 141 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. So this week we're going to do a little bit of an adjustment. So Eric's going to be here next week. But we're going to um, talk about a recent rescue on Mount Washington and invo- that yeah. involved the, the Cog Railway and a team of rescuers that had to face some challenging weather to cut across the West Side Trail to s- sort of bail out this solo hiker that got in trouble. Um, we've got an update. Um, Little Foot Scarlet, the uh, um, young hiker, has finished her winter 4,000-footer list. Yep. Stomp's got some snowmobile crash news. I got some uh, a review of a stay at the Zealand Hut, and then talking about a Zealand Bonds Traverse. We can do a recap on that, and then we've got some additional search and rescue news uh, with rescues that went down on Mount Avalon and Welsh Dickey, so plenty of other stuff to talk about that's on the script here as well. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. This is Ben Pease from Hiking Buddies. We are a 501c3 nonprofit committed to reducing avoidable tragedies through education, impactful projects, and fostering a community of support. You can find out more at hikingbuddies.org. We wanted to say thank you to those who have supported our mission, and most importantly, say thanks to those who speak up, who ask questions, and who are willing to provide guidance and assistance on the trails when needed. You embody what it means to be a hiking buddy. And now, for all my newer hikers out there, here's this episode's Hiking Buddies Quick Tip. Leave No Trace, principle number two. Travel and camp on durable surfaces. Stay on trails. Choose durable ground for tenting. Large trees for hammocking. Do not camp within 200 feet of a water source.
Let's get started. So let's oh, go. Yeah. Let, let's start the episode off, Stomp, with um, a message from a listener named Jen, who mm. is in the deepest, darkest parts of Antarctica. <laughs> Can you believe this? We have listeners in Antarctica. So yes. listener Jen says... Hey, just letting you guys know I brought your podcast, parentheses and sticker, close parentheses, to Antarctica. Working as a sous chef for McCurdo Station until March 2024. Just tag the podcast in a notable hike and we'll post a pic of the sticker in front of the McCurdo sign soon. How cool is that? Yeah, that's impressive. And this, it's it's yeah. McMurdo Station. Stop, McMurdo. McCurdo. McMurdo. Oh, sorry. I have my weak um, readers on. Yeah, no problem. But it's I'm looking at a picture of it on Wikipedia and it's a pretty decent sized facility. Like it reminds yeah. me of what you, you you'll see in these villages in Alaska where they have to fly a plane and so it's 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 oh. pretty big. There's you know containers and there's you know a number of different housing units and work buildings and stuff. So she's not yeah. she's not exactly like in the middle of Antarctica, but I would imagine that they go out on excursions and, and do all kinds of cool stuff. So Yeah, who knows. So the yeah. station is the largest community in Antarctica, capable of supporting up to fifteen hundred residents. Yeah. Unbelievable! So there's, I guess, there's a few other facilities there, but uh, that's one of them. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. So Jen, thank me. you for all the um, you know thoughts about us, and, and make sure that you're putting our sticker everywhere. And um, I don't know, she probably must have gotten stickers from when she was in the U.S. because there's no way you can mail things to Antarctica. I would assume it takes a while to get there. Yeah, it's a good question. Maybe uh, Dolls and Pops set her up with one and a pie before she split. <laughs> could be, could be. So anyway, but um, and definitely let's stay in touch with her. I'd love to get her on to talk about what life is like down there. Yeah, that's a good call. You hear that, Jen? Yes. All right, we got you. You're in. You're in. Uh, we're impressed. Uh, all right, Stomp. And then coming up, I wanted to plug a little event that we have going on for next Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to be doing a presentation of search and rescue data with the hiking buddies so i think you can sign up through the hiking buddies we'll put a link in the show notes so if you want to check that out it's like a bonus live podcast episode i think yeah yeah i'll be there dude i'll support you all right i'm a little nervous i won't have my uh my camera on but i'll be listening (laughs) yeah i don't know how it's gonna work i gotta talk to uh to lynn to find out what the logistics are around it if it's just me talking or if there's an opportunity for people to ask questions right all right, cool. All right, so um, I got a little bit of homework to do. I got to pull together 2023 SAR da- data uh, media, media report. So, right, right. Yeah, your uh, presentation is always really cool and your data. So, yep. looking forward to yeah, it. It'll be fun. Uh, all right, Stomp. So, I wanted to just, you know, we usually do this stuff at the end, but I figured we'd talk about this Mount Washington rescue. Yeah, this is a big, big ordeal, man. Yeah. Um, so. A Portsmouth man rescued in 90-mile-an-hour winds with the help of the Cog Railway. Yep. So a team of rescue was worked in minus 52-degree wind chill using multiple resources to reach the hiker who officers um, say made numerous poor decisions. So yep. New Hampshire Fishing Game said Saturday, 22-year-old from Portsmouth was hiking in the Ammanusik Ravine on the western slope of Mount Washington, when he fell and was injured. So after the fall, this hiker called 911 and requested help. Due to poor reception, very little information could be obtained except that he had an injury and needed help. 
The call was sent to a conservation officer along with the GPS coordinates of the hiker's location, which showed him well off trail in a drainage ravine west of the West Side Trail and north of Crawford Path at approximately 4,500 feet of elevation. So, wow. Just for the listeners nearby. Um, yeah. Yeah. The. The lay of the land over there, so you come up in the Amanusik Ravine Trail, you hit Lakes of the Cloud Hut, you will then continue on towards the Mount Washington Summit via the Crawford Path. Before you make the final push to the summit, there is a, you can call it a bailout or you can call it a diversion, so there's a trail called the West Side Trail, which is probably about six-tenths of a mile from the trail junction of Crawford over to connect to the Cog Railway. So I've used this trail as a bailout before. I think it's at about 5,200 feet of elevation, maybe maybe 5,400 feet of elevation. So I'm yeah. skeptical that he was down 4,500 feet. Uh, I'd be surprised, but maybe he was. I don't know. Well, um, it, read, it but, reads sort of funny. Like, um, was he bushwhacking? No. Because it no, says no, he no. was he in was, the ravine. Yeah, he fell. I mean, he certainly fell down. The problem with the problem with taking that West Side Trail is that in difficult conditions, you're you're basically walking into the you know you're, the western face of the mountain where the wind is hitting directly. Yeah. So until you get to the Cog Railroad tracks, you're you're relying on cairns to find your way and. That, yeah. that area doesn't get traveled a lot. Like there's not a, there's not going to be a lot of like um, footprints or even even if there was people traveling there, it's just hard packed ice and um, you know there's no trail to follow. So you have to follow yeah. ro- uh, you know the cairns. Okay, so he was on trail and then went down this drainage. It sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds like he went down trail. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Okay, you know the West Side Trail I think is around 5,200, 5,400 feet. It just yeah. follows that contour line all the way over to the Cog Railroad. They're saying he was at 4,500 feet. I'm guessing he probably wasn't that far. But essentially, um, they activated this rescue with the, um, you know, um, Androscoggin Valley Search and Rescue Mountain Rescue Service. And calls were made to the Mount Washington Auto Road and the Cog Railroad to, uh, to make pre- preliminary thoughts about the best option for getting the rescuers up there. It was decided that due to the location, it, I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense is the Cog would make the best, uh, make the, the most sense. So the Cog was willing to start a special train. They put a snowblower on the front to bring the rescuers up to the crossing of the West Side Trail. Amazing. This would save, they basically offered this. So this is going to save the rescue team. Uh, you know, probably three, four miles of climbing up the cog and then cutting over. So the offer right. was gladly accepted. As the crews responded to the cog railroad, they decided they were going to use two trains. They were going to do an early team that would clear the path and get started to the GPS location. It's like minus 50 windshield. So they're probably oh, thinking man. this guy probably has limited time. Absolutely. And, and then they would get a second team that would come up afterwards. So the first crew set off on foot from the train on the West Side Trail. And then at that, once that first train came up and dropped off the rescuers, another call came in. And at this point, the hiker was able to um, offer... Um, oh, I guess the call came in. They couldn't hear him. He called back, and the reception was 
just clear enough to understand that he was no longer at the same location, but made his way to Lakes of the Cloud. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. And he was like, yeah, he was in that emergency shelter area. So yeah, uh, he, and he still needed help. So good news for him. Yeah, I'm glad he knew so, about it, or maybe he didn't know about it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, he had been there before, so he came that way. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Oh, true, so, true. Yeah. So by that point, the second train with a second group of rescues was dropped off and started across the West Side Trail. There's another article that talks about sort of the, the risk in the cog is that when they go up that high in that cold condition, the diesel fuel can actually turn to gel, and then yeah. they can get stuck up there. So they didn't want to. They don't want to risk that. So I think that they didn't mess around too much. They got the rescuers up and then headed back down. Right. Um, wow. But you no know, hats joke. off to you know the Presby's and, um, sure, and Andy sure. and that whole crew because you know it's they're putting the expensive equipment at risk and their own personnel at risk by going up there like that. So it was yeah. ninety mile an hour winds, wind chill of minus fifty two. Ambient temperature of minus nine. Um, right. Well, I hate to say it, man. It's like this, even though you're in that dungeon at Lake of the Clouds, that is not warm unless you have the right gear. Yeah. It's yeah. still life I mean, or death. I've, I've looked in that place before. Like sometimes it gets frozen over too. You can't even open the door. So I don't know right. if it was inside or just outside. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, they got to the shelter at 6.15, and um, the the hiker was injured. He's suffering. He's not injured, but he was suffering from hypothermia and was wearing like a bunch of layers of frozen clothes, yeah, including like frozen hiking shoes. And, you know, eventually like the second wave of rescue was arrived, and they were able to warm him up over like three hours. They had yeah. to take off his wet frozen clothes and place him in extra gear. The boots were sought out, uh, thawed out so that his frostbitten feet could return with uh, dry wool socks that the rescuers had put on for him. So they fed him, they filled him with warm liquids, and then they were able to take him down the Amanusik Ravine Trail with some assistance. He hiked out on his own, and uh, they left at 9.45. They got down um, around 10.50. They got to the base station of the COG. And there was an ambulance waiting. The hiker um, wow. decided that he didn't want to go to the hospital. He would take himself. And and that was it. So he was brought to his vehicle by 1145. So long day for him. Yeah. Fishing Game goes on to say that he made numerous poor decisions regarding the hike. Um, he didn't have proper gear. Didn't plan the weather correctly. Didn't make critical decisions to keep himself out of harm's way. Yeah. And um, he, they they did indicate that the hiker saw other groups turn around. I'm, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. Yeah. Um, but he decided to keep going. So, you know what that sounds yeah. like? It sounds like a bill. Potentially, yeah, potentially. Oh, yeah. So, um so anyway, the article ends with the list of people who have died on the presidential range will stay at 173 for now, thanks to the rescue effort that saved um, this hiker's life on, on Saturday. Just a correction, mm. there's actually 171 names on the list. Oh, interesting. How do you know yeah, that? So pa- Patrick had, had um, sent a note over and, and oh, corrected that. Oh, gotcha. So, awesome. Yep. 
All's well that ends well. There's a little bit more to the story here that I thought was interesting. So there's there's another article from the hiker itself in the Boston Globe where he describes the 11-hour ordeal. And the hiker's like, look, yeah. I wasn't experienced enough to be up there. I made some poor decisions. I'm sorry. I've learned my lessons. I'm going to, if I ever do this again, I'm going to go with a guide. I'm not going to risk it anymore. It's not worth it. I apologize to the rescue team. So he understands the gravity of the situation. Um, So, and he was like, I was willing to hike out. And, um, you know, I guess they did end up connecting him to another rescue who had a harness on him. So they weren't 100% confident that he was going to be okay by himself. So he's got a little bit of frostbite on his toes. And, you know, it sounds like he's going to live to to hike again here. And he did learn his lesson. So, huh. So uh, do you see the size of the pack of uh, the fishing game officer in that Boston.com image? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, they're huh? messing around, yeah. They're oh, not yeah. messing around at all. Yeah. So they've got a bunch of uh a bunch of equipment on there. So in there's one other thing about this that I don't think is widely reported is that there was a description of the events. This guy hiked solo. He yeah. actually connected with a group of two other hikers about a half a mile before Lakes of the Cloud, yeah. and he stayed with them up until the junction of West Side, the West Side Trail. So sure. they hiked together for about a mile and a half. This These other two hikers summited Mount Washington and then made it down successfully via the cog as this rescue situation was going on. Interesting. Yeah. So this hiker, his, his username is Sim9. On Reddit, and Sim Nine and his buddy had been planning to hike Mount Washington this day. They had posted a, a, a couple of questions to the Reddit White the White Mountains group. They had talked about like, "Hey, we're planning to do this." A lot of people were like the weather's no good. Don't do it. It's not worth it. They went anyway. They connected yeah. with this hiker that had uh, went on to have trouble about a half a mile before Lakes of the Cloud. They, they started hiking together. So this individual hiker that needed a rescue was ahead of them. They caught up to him. They all joined together to hike together. Over the course of the mile and a half that they hiked together, this Sim 9 guy and his buddy kind of realized that the hiker that ended up needing the rescue wasn't prepared. So they, they made some observations. They said that um, his boots were not serious enough. He was wearing like standard run-of-the-mill hiking boots not winter hiking boots. He had no way of carrying his snowshoes, so he took them off at Lake's uh, Hut, carried them by his side. They said he didn't really have enough water, no insulation in his water bottles. He didn't have any goggles. He had no mittens or glove liners. He was just using ski gloves with nothing under them. Um, His main outer layer seemed to be like some kind of insulated overalls, which were pretty good, but that he was like wearing a cotton T-shirt. Um... And then he didn't have his fleece fully zipped up. He brushed off their attempts to dissuade him. The Sim 9 guy on Reddit's like, I kind of regret not being stronger with him. Yeah. Um, but essentially what happened is is that they joined up for about a mile and a half. Slowly they realized that this guy wasn't prepared. When they got to the junction that's about a half a mile before the summit, well, I don't know what the conversation was. He... He ended up going the West Side Trail. They went to the summit. I would argue in that situation, Stomp, 
it is safer to go to the summit than to go over the West Side Trail in those conditions. And that way, you go to the summit, you've got a little bit of like, you, you can block yourself from the wind a little bit when you're on there, and then you've got a straight shot to follow the cog down. Sure, you know, it's, sure. It, that, that, to me, is a much better plan than sending a solo guy west side to have him navigate in poor conditions by Cairns. Uh, so yeah, I don't know you, what happened when they got to yeah. that junction and how they they disconnected with this guy. Right. But it's all speculation. I've been in that situation, Stomp, and like if I run into a stray hiker, especially if I'm sniffing that this this person doesn't know what they're doing, I'm a, I'm adopting that hiker. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you can only do so much. I mean, if he disagrees or you know, he's on his own. Yeah. Who knows? But I, I agree. Guess. I mean, I suppose going uh, up, getting the shelter, and even going down auto road would be the, the safer bet than yeah. in blinding conditions. It talks about, you know, the, the fishing game officers are saying that they had a leapfrog, the Cairns, because it was so blinding, you couldn't see anything. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm not leaving that guy. I don't care. I yeah, mean, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm just, you know, that's just my opinion, is that, like, the two hikers that, that broke off, like, I don't know all the details, but yeah. regardless, I'm not leaving that guy, especially if I'm sniffing that he doesn't know what he's doing up there. Yeah, and his cotton and regular boots and whatnot. Yeah. What was he thinking? So, Holy moly. So, it's an interesting I'm story. Not, I'm, I'm not speculating here as to what his intentions were but it reminds me of john from uh ty's essay like nah, what, yeah what i mean I, don't, I, I think he was just a legit hiker the funny thing is somebody had posted on reddit too that you know he's got it like his all trails and he you know he does do a fair amount of hiking but yeah. he originally gave the hike like a two-star rating <laughs> he's like no <laughs> i don't like this one because you can give it like five stars or whatever i think oh, he, he deleted it after a while but um, yeah, I guess yeah. hard lesson learned. I mean, sure. huge, huge credit to the search and rescue team for getting out there. I mean, they're not going to judge anybody. They're just going to go and, and rescue. And I'm sure they're happy as can be that he got down safe. And, oh, sure. you know, I think he learned a lesson and, you know, huge credit to the cog for stepping up and risking their equipment, risking their personnel. Um, it's great. You know, we just talked with Andy about this and those guys are willing to do what they can do, you know, and they'll even risk the equipment and the safety of their team to, to help people out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, if you heard the weather forecast for this show, this weekend is not going to be a joke. It's going to be very similar with snow over the next 24 hours or so. And then the sub-zero weather with the wind chills. So, I mean, people just got to use their heads. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was planning on hiking Mount Washington this weekend, but yep. you know, I looked at the higher summit and we're bailing on it. We're going to probably end up doing something else. Canon. Sure. sure. Or, you know, finish my 4,000 foot or winter list or something. But Much um, smarter. Yeah. So it's just not worth it. So you mm. got to take a look at the weather. But honestly, like, the, you know, I do look side-eyed at the two hikers that summited and broke off from that guy. Again, I don't know what was going on, what the conversations were. I know it's always weird when you pick some random person up on the trail, but I'm just, I've had that happen to me. And I've, I've taken, I mean, matter of fact, we had this happen at Lakes of the Cloud. We had two solo hikers that were clearly not as experienced to us. I was with Camilla and Lance and we were like, we're adopting these people and they're coming with us. Yeah. So, yeah. And it wasn't a bad day. Unreal. So anyway, and again, who knows? It may have been like if they if they went with the guy, it could have been three people needing a rescue and not one. So I could be wrong about that. 
Yeah, and what's interesting, just a little side inside baseball here, there were uh, two other rescues going on simultaneously that um, sort of strained all the other teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these they have a way of coming in like waves for some reason. Right, right. Very strange. Yes. But, uh, you know, as for, uh, we'll get to the other rescues, but I have a a theory about why they happened. And I think it's uh, all to do with the the thaw and the freeze that happened last week. Really? Oh, absolutely. Too thick. Well, yeah. I mean, just everything melted and then froze up solid again. So, like, like Avalon, that is steep and it's, you're just laying down a layer of, glare ice on it now so i mean yeah. to have two slip and falls on the same day uh it's a little unusual i would think i mean avalon's like crazy st- it's like it is avalon and east osceola were like the two craziest like winter climbs that i just wasn't expecting them yeah uh to be that steep but yeah they're really steep so yeah for sure um hey one of the um there was a comment on our facebook group about somebody was like you know we got to be careful about glorifying hikes and, you know, we should be discouraged. I, I don't know the details, but essentially, like, I think the theme was like, we shouldn't talk about doing these hikes because it might inspire people that are clueless to go out and hike. And I'm like, well, you know, we do our best to try to educate people on safety. And, you yeah, know, there's plenty of people that can go out and do these things safely. So I, I don't buy into that myself, but I figured I'd throw it out and get your opinion. Well, I mean, what do you do? You know what hikes they were talking about? I mean, I I think they were just talking about us glorifying um, just difficult hikes and going in bad conditions, and uh, in relation to this kid that got got rescued on Mount Washington. Well, first of all, we're not telling people to go in full conditions that's for sure but when it comes to hikes i mean yeah i mean i'm not maybe you are i don't know <laughs> nah I'm, no absolutely not <laughs> no those days are all done with nope no 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 but yeah i mean it's fair game talking about hikes that are available and uh public trails i mean yeah, yeah, we're yeah. trying to educate, make sure that people do things safe. But also, I mean, there's a lot of people that do winter hiking, and it's a great thing to do. And you can do yep. it safely. You just have to worry about the weather, or make sure your gear is dialed in, and take it slow. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right, stop. So that's the Mount Washington uh, situation. We'll see if anybody has any any additional news on it. But hopefully, yep. this this young man learned a lesson. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, wanted to give a shout out to Littlefoot. So Scarlett, I think she's seven or eight years old at this point. So yep. she uh, and her grandparents, uh, Kim and Mark, who do most of the hiking with her, uh, or all of the hiking with her, and then they have a whole crew of like pretty consistent people that will join in on her hike so typically they'll go out with like seven or eight people and it's a consistent group so she was able to finish her winter 4,000 footer list on Mount Hill um, last weekend so I was over in Zealand Hut and uh, I knew she had been finishing our, our backup plan was we were going to go over to Hill if if conditions weren't good but conditions ended up being good for us so we didn't end up going yeah. over there but um just wanted to congratulate her and the entire group there. They're really inspirational. And I think uh, I was looking at a post that Mike Masel, who has been on the show, um, he's a guide at Redline Guiding. He had summed up the accomplishment um, pretty nicely. So I just wanted to read what he wrote on his own personal social media page and then 
you know, see if you have any any comments. But Mike wrote that her grandparents, Kim and Mark, have given her the have given her the greatest gift by showing her this life: resilience, determination, strength, community, and most important of all, opportunity. In a world that constantly tells you that you can't, she can, and she knows it. What a lesson to learn at such a young age. The sky is the limit to where those little feet can take her. So I thought that was a good... That's awfully sweet. Yeah, I thought that was a good kind of bow on the accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. So is this her first Winter 48? Yeah, so she's doing the grid. I think she's like 200 summits into the grid, but this is her, yeah, this is her official finish of the Winter 4000 footer. Very nice, very nice. So I'm sure she'll be at the awards ceremony. She uh-huh. will. She will. Yeah. And, and matter of fact, I'm going to be finishing my winter 4,000 footer on Mount Hale as well. So, um, very nice. Not very really nice. by design, but it just worked out that way. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Um, all right, Stomp. And then next up here, we had a listener, Ken, sent along info on an upcoming event in Boston this April, the Boston Outdoor Expo, which is being held on April 27th and 28th at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. Why aren't we? Well, we should be there with our table. I suppose. I've never heard of this before, so thank you, Ken, for sending it along. Yeah, it sounds great. I took a little cruise to the website. It looks like a great time, so if you're in the area, in the Boston area, uh, check it out, and uh, it looks like it's uh, right up the alley for a lot of listeners. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm going to be in... um I'm going to be in the city next week, so maybe I will go check it out here. Yeah, there you go. Exhibitors, they've got the AMC is going to be there, the Boston Ski and Sports Club. You know what you can do? You can barge through the doors and at top volume yell, I've got a podcast! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. The Vermont Mountain Bike Association. Outward Bound is there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's a bunch of interesting ex- exhibitors. So. Next year. Next year. We'll, we'll have a table up next year with our paltry stickers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. So the Boston Expo Center. All right. So next up here, Stomp FDA approves first medication to treat severe frostbite. So this interesting. is interesting. What's this all about? Yeah, especially in light of the uh, recent stories. So this is a, uh, a medication that was studied in a 12-year trial, which is actually refreshing to see, a nice long-term study. Um, and it included 47 adults who had severe frostbite. And apparently what this medication does um, is it just dilates the blood vessels and um, even in severe condition, severe um hypothermic uh, frostbite conditions and uh, allows the blood flow to resume. So, you know, it's, uh, I guess it may have um, some other potential uses for, say, peripheral vascular disease, uh, Raynaud's disease, perhaps, diabetes. We shall see. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty exciting stuff. And wow. the name so of the- they could eventually tinker with this to give like lower doses for people that are going out in cold weather and maybe it would help them with their Raynaud's or something. That's the uh, that's the question, right? So this stuff is called uh, our. You're, forget it. We're not going to be able to pronounce this. It's A U R L U M Y N. Our lumen. Our lumen. Our lumen. Yes. Our lumen. Pieces of it. Pieces of it. So, pretty cool news on the frostbite front. 
so you have frost. It's interesting. So they they did like this forty seven adults that had severe frostbite, yeah. and they put them into like three different groups. None of the patients who received or lumen required amputation. It's 19% in the second group and 60% in the third. If I was in the third group, I'd be like, listen, give me the drug. Don't test this. I just want the drug. So, That's hilarious. I, yeah, I want the drug. I don't want to lose my arm. So, But that's promising. So we'll yeah. see. So I just moved one story down a little lower. But um, we do have um, a, a an article that was sent in by listener Tim Larkin. Have you seen this, Mike, about this... Uh, human remains that were found in the Berkshires? I did. I did. Clearly, immediately, we have a serial killer. Anytime remains are found, you have to say that it's, <laughs> there's a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, especially in mass. But this is weird. Yes. I mean, it happened in, what, Lennox Mountain? Apparently, this hiker went missing. Um, let's see. Let's get these details here. February 9th, a hiker and his dog located a hiking boot with human remains inside. And the person that is missing or was missing apparently was missing from October 30th, 2023. And uh, they don't believe there's any foul play going on here, but uh, they did positively identify the remains as those of Susan Lockwood. And uh, she, she was hiking in Lennox Mountain in the Berkshires. Wow. So they don't know, they don't know any details yet on how she died? Not according to this article. It's a very brief article. Um, but it is interesting. I know where that mountain is, and it's not exactly a mountain. It's like a, just a rolling hill, so to speak. But uh, yeah, we shall see. But uh, yeah, the Berkshires you know, I, have a serial killer. When I went killer. to school out there, yeah, no, that, hopefully it's not a serial killer. But when I went to school out there, Stomp, they arrested a serial killer. Like when I was a senior in college, yeah, they arrested this guy, Lewis Lent. And okay. this guy was like straight out of central casting for a serial killer. Like oh. big, thick Coke bottle glasses. He was like a janitor <laughs> at, a, at a school. He yeah. was like kidnapping and killing like little girls. It was like creepy. Okay. Oh, jeez. People were freaked out. Huh. Wild. Yeah. Yep. So he's um, serving a life sentence, I think. And maybe he's, really? you know, like, maybe hopefully he died by now, but I don't know. Mm. That's funny. Well, hey, we have yeah. some animal news for a change. Oh, yeah? What's yeah. going on there? Well, this uh, this first story is pretty interesting. I, I labeled it in the script as another death while doing what they love. Now, this one is pretty crazy. And uh, this comes to us, let's see, where did this happen? This was in India. Okay. So, a man is mauled to death by a lion after entering enclosure to do what guess what <laughs> take a selfie take a selfie yeah yeah so this 43 year old man was mauled to death he entered a Sri Lankan um, uh, zoo apparently and uh, wanted to take a selfie with uh, a wild animal and he scaled this four foot wall uh, then he scaled a six foot tall iron fence and uh, took a selfie doing what he loves yeah, so there you go. So the, oh, by the way, the incident remains ongoing. The investigation. I hmm, wonder what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah. I wonder if they have uh, cameras in the, I'm sure that they do. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's a 
sad story, isn't it? Yeah, well, he got his selfie. <laughs> his the very last selfie. Yes. All right, and we have two other animal stories. This is a scary one. Cyclists fight off cougar attack that leaves woman injured, and this comes out of Seattle. This is terrifying, actually. I had no idea that uh, cougars were up in that area, Seattle, Washington. Yeah. But uh, a woman is recovering from a cougar attack. Cougar attacked a group of cyclists near Seattle, Washington. Woman and four others were biking on a trail near Fall City, about 25 miles east of Seattle, when they were attacked by a cougar. She was pounced on by the cougar. The other cyclists jumped into action to fight the large feline, and she came walking away with injuries to her face and neck. I mean, I'm terrified by this story. Like, you know, I battle Zylo sometimes, and I come away in rough shape. When you're dealing with a 75 pound cougar, yeah, I don't know. Your chances aren't that great. So that's a really yeah. interesting story. Well, one of the cyclists was able to pin this thing down. I can't and, imagine. Uh, one of the other ones was able to like take off in the woods. So th- that's nice. Like maybe help the other cyclists like grab the grab the damn cougar. But it uh, is yeah. like it's impossible to keep. Like those cats are very like squirmy. Like you can't pin them down. Absolutely, and those those. Yeah. Claws, holy moly! Yeah. I wouldn't uh, know how long the claws are on a seventy-five pound cougar, but I'm sure they're a couple inches long. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Well, stomp. When I was down in Florida at the retirement home, I got attacked by a couple of cougars, <laughs> not the cat kind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this is for a different podcast, right? But um, bump. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's bad. Yeah, that will get a bump. Yeah. yeah, so finally, listener, Ola, it's Heather, sent a message. We were chatting about some of the snowmobile accidents, and she says, quote, watch for moose on the trail. We just got back from riding, uh, apparently a night ride, and a moose came out of nowhere, and it charged me, and I had to hit the throttle and haul ass. It was so close, I could hear it snorting. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. We were talking on um, on our hike Saturday about moose, and my friend yeah. Peter was saying that, and I didn't, actually didn't know this, but he said they have terrible eyesight. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. But uh, they can still hear the noise of the, the engines, perhaps. And I don't Yeah, know. they can it's smell and, and stuff. But I guess they have terrible eyesight, so uh, which it, it can explain sometimes where they'll just sit on trail and they're not um, not moving that much. They just can't really see what's going on around them too well. Yeah, and from what I understand, a lot of them are demented because of the uh, disease that they're struggling with. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, brain-wasting. We all know that hiking a mountain can be hard at times. So here's a corny dad joke to help you get over it. But um bum All right, Stomp, it's the part of the show where I do a dad joke. Oh, I can't wait. All right, what, Stomp, what, do, you what do you call a teacher who doesn't fart in public? Uh, teacher who doesn't fart in public. I feel like this is like another, this is like, uh, there's been a couple of these dad jokes that involve farting, but what do you call a teacher who doesn't fart in public? Dude, I got it. A substitute teacher. Oh, you're close. You're close. It's a private tutor. Private tutor. (laughs) 
<laughs> but that I can give you, I'll give you credit for that answer because that's oh. actually way better. I would have never got that. That's so. funny. Yeah. All right. That's the first time I've ever got a dad joke. Right. They're always well, so obvious. You. But all right, cool. I'm getting the hang of that. Thanks again to our friends Lance and Camilla for 365 days of dad jokes. Yeah, and the lucky sponsor that follows the uh, the fart joke is Fieldstone Kombucha. So that's funny. Uh, Fieldstone Kombucha, New England's premium craft kombucha company. If you're in the heart of New England, you need to drink a New England-style kombucha. Softer, less acidic, and truly enjoyable. Our kombucha is naturally effervescent and boasts a full-bodied flavor. Fieldstone crafts the best seasonal flavors when we tell you there's blueberries in our baby banded flavor it nearly turns your tongue blue women owned and operated we brew in rhode island using whole locally sourced ingredients fieldstone kombucha is the perfect replenishing drink after a day on the slopes or a trek in the woods it's chock full of probiotics and healthy acids to keep you in top form Find us at Biederman's in Plymouth, Mad River Coffee House in Campton, the Concord Food Co-op, and more. Check out our website for the full list of New Hampshire and New England-wide locations. Use code SLASHER, S-L-A-S-R, on our website for 10% off an online order shipped straight to your door. So that's FieldstoneKombuchaCo.com. Um so yeah, uh, let's see. We have stickers. Stickers are at Ski Fanatics uh, off of Exit 28 in Campton. I just dropped a whole bunch off the other day and they were appreciative. They're saying that listeners are coming in quite a bit actually to get them, which is really cool. Or at Spinners uh, in Andover off of Dascom Road off 93. Say hi to Dolls and Pops for us. And uh, news, we get uh, some new stickers on the way, some new cool holographic circular stickers for the cars. So those are coming. And uh, advertise with Slasher. If you have anything you want to plug, just reach out to us and uh, see if we have some packages for you that might work. And uh, just so you know, you may end up just after some fart jokes. Uh, Let's see. Coffee donations. If you want to show your support for the podcast, donate at Slasher's Buy Me a Coffee site. Donations are super helpful. They uh, help pay for the web hosting and uh, distribution and live events and gear and all kinds of good stuff. So we really appreciate the, uh, the help. I'll take a coffee stomp. Yeah, you take a coffee. Set us up with a coffee. Hey, hold my beer. It's time to find out what Mike and Stomp are drinking. On this week's Beer Talk. All right, well, moving on from coffee to beer, Stomp, this is the part of the oh, show yeah. where we talk about what beer we are drinking. Yeah. What you what you got going on? Anything? I have our friend Patrick on the Mount Washington State Park Summit inspired uh, me to get the 6288 Stout from... Tuckerman Brewing Company. So I picked up a four mm. pack of this and I've been waiting for just the perfect moment to have one. So how is it compared to say oh, it's very Guinness good. Or, it's good. It's yeah. a little bit different. I'm used to the IPAs, but I like this I like the stout. It's like a brown beer. It's a little nutty. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I saw some of that stuff the other day. Can you see this? Oh yeah, yeah. Ho- uh, this, Hoff Wex Weiss. Yeah, this is interesting. So it's um it's a collaboration. It says Stowe style, and it's the Von Trapp and Fox Farm collaboration. It's Hopfenweiss, and it's a dry hopped wheat ale uh, coming in at 5.5 ABV. And again, it's uh, 
just a collaboration, part of the collaboration series, and uh, it's actually really tasty. Enjoying it. Awesome. See, Mike, I'm, I'm doing my best to really branch out and try some random stuff. You're doing great, Stomp. Thanks. <laughs> I knew we should have gone left back there. Stomp, don't worry. I know it's this way. I've got a feeling in my gut. Uh, are you sure you're not about to have a bowel emergency? <laughs> uh, totally. We got this. But I just blew out my hip. Fell down that gully with my 40-year-old microspikes. Suck it up, Stomp. It's 4 p.m. We're at 3,500 feet. We got nine miles back to the parking lot. Your leg may be broken. We got no cell connection, and we can't feel our fingers. But we're finishing all of my list tonight. <sighs> By the way, I need some water. I'm empty. I would if I could see what I'm doing, but my headlamp batteries are dead. You gotta be kidding me. What a chump. This is the last time I hike with you. Psh, ha, whatever, mister. Do you know me? I have a podcast. Psh, whatever. Let's find out what Mike and Stomp have been hiking. All right. Um, this is the part of the show where we talk about recent hikes. So, uh, Stomp, why don't you go? I know you haven't been hiking, but you've been yeah. snowmobiling. Yeah. Well, it was an interesting uh, weekend. I think at the same time when we were hit with giant blinding squalls, you were hiking, right? Weren't you yes. up on? All right. Yeah. yeah so I, I was. I was. I was thinking of you because I was up on the top of Jefferson Notch Road and it was absolutely blinding, and uh, I couldn't see perhaps ten feet in front of the sled, and I could barely see the people behind me. And we were at a crawl at about you know five miles an hour for a good twenty minutes. It was wild. Yeah. Well, it's better uh, to be safe than than to be <clears throat> flying around in in those conditions. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I had not been in squalid conditions like that. Squalish is probably a better word uh, f- for as long as I can remember. It's pretty pretty terrifying stuff. And uh, Sunday was pretty wild. We had a crash. One of the other tour guides um, experienced the crash. We were or they were coming across Mount Clinton Road and bearing left onto the access road where the cog is. And mm-hmm. uh, the person uh, hit the throttle by accident and just ended up crashing. And this required a response by EMS. You know, Twin Mountain showed up, fishing game. And um, it was pretty hardcore, pretty banged up badly. And um, I actually was at the, uh, the starting point where the cabin is. And um, I had two tours that were lined up to go out. And we ended up basically canceling them and i just i i went out on a snowmobile to bring back the other guides guests so that they could deal with you know fishing game and everything else but it was bad man yeah and yeah it just happens it happens but you know i think the sled hit a little bump and just yeah the rest is history yeah it's rough i mean it is it takes it's a learning curve and it is. sometimes I think it takes more than one day or even people well-meaning they go slow and then they just you know they hit the throttle the wrong way so yeah I don't know how sure. you fix it I don't either and I'm shocked at all the stories this year we'll cover two later that are really interesting and unusual but uh, yeah there's so many yeah but yeah. Uh, anyhow well I had a big adventure stomp yeah no kidding we did we stayed over at the Zealand Hut, so I had a crew of, it was uh, three of us, so there was um, Peter, Jake, and Steve, Yep. of Steve Eat Shit fame. He's got a great Instagram page, check it out. Um, <laughs> okay. 
He's such a great guy. So the the four of us, and then we had, I had been in contact with the, one of the listeners who had said that she was going to be up there with a crew of people. So uh, we connected with Audrey, Dan, and Dave. So we basically had a crew of seven of us um, mm-hmm. that went out. They were in the parking lot when we got there. So we ended up, you know, kind of hiking in with them. We got a little separated, but, you know, basically getting in there at the same time. So... We were kind of the the parking lot was pretty pretty busy, so we were kind of thinking maybe there'd be more people there. So I think Zealand Hut has enough space for I think it's thirty six people, maybe thirty eight people, maybe it's a little bit less. Uh, But it ended up being there was thirteen of us, so there was our group of seven, and then there was a family like uh, grandparents. Uh, a young lady, a young girl, like nine-year-old girl, and then her dad, and then maybe like an uncle and an aunt or something. So it was a family. So it kind of worked out perfect because we took one half, and then they took the other um, half. And the way it's set up there is there's like triple bunks. Yeah. So we took, like I, I took a bunk like in the middle, so the, like the second level, and I was like, I'll just go up close to where the stove is and maybe it'll be a little warmer so the room itself is not heated but it's not like it was like probably i don't know five degrees or something at night but it was a little bit warmer in there it was probably closer to like 20 20 degrees 25 degrees so it wasn't too bad balmy (laughs) yeah balmy a little bit and um You know, the the caretaker was great. His name was Peter, super nice guy. Uh, We'd actually run into him on on Madison like a week or two before Steve knew him. So we were talking again, catching up. And um, he had the stove going at like four o'clock when we got there. So the, the actual main room was pretty warm. And I sat right next to the, I immediately parked like right next to the stove and elbowed everybody else out of the way. (laughs) <laughs> so uh was toasty and then just used the stove cooked dinner i brought some shredded chicken with me so i heated that up yeah and um everybody else just had i think cold meals and um yeah but it was it was good we we probably went to bed around eight o'clock i slept like horribly because i was all stuffed up so yeah. you know how sometimes your sinuses will f- fill up on one side and then the other and you can't get comfortable yeah, I remember you had, we were sort of fighting a little cold last week. Yeah, a little cold, so I was yeah. still fighting that. So I was super uncomfortable. Had to pee like three times, so ended up getting up to pee. And then finally around midnight, I ended up falling asleep for good, and we woke up at like 5.36 in the morning. <laughs> so, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Yeah, and yeah. then we got on trail, I think Audrey, Dan, and Dave got on trail like about 10, 15 minutes before us. And then we headed up maybe around 7.45. So they broke trail. It was maybe about six inches of snow from Zeeland Hut up to Z Cliff. They broke trail um, up to Z Cliff, and then we connected with them. Once we connected with them, we were like, all right, let's all stay together. That was sort of our first checkpoint because we were like, we don't know what the weather's going to be like because it could be like crazy winds. Mm-hmm. And there was no winds on Z Cliff, and we were actually seeing blue skies. So at that point, we said, "Okay, well, let's keep going." Um, but the snow started getting deeper and deeper, so we had okay. to go through like that bog section past Z Cliff, and uh, we made our way to Zealand. Dude, that that section from Z Cliff to Zealand is long. It's long but flattish, right? 
No, it's kind of like uphill a lot. Puds. Oh, okay. It's like three, like it's like three levels of uphill. Yeah. For, first of all, it's steep to get up to Z Cliff. Oh, sure. That's steep enough. And then right. from there, you still got like, I think it's like a mile and a half from Z Cliff to um, to Zealand. It feels like it. Um, and there was okay. one section in there where we were up to our hips in snow. Come on. Yeah, yeah. What, it from was drifts? Like blown snow. Yeah, drifts. Okay. And, gotcha. Yeah. So did you check the uh, trail conditions to see if anybody had broken the salt beforehand? Um, I did. I didn't see anything. It wouldn't have mattered. Everything okay. is windblown in there. Like, I don't yeah, think yeah, that yeah. breaking trail makes a difference for when you're talking about that Zealand bond section there. Yeah. Everything just gets windblown over. Okay. Interesting. So... From Z-, Z Cliff, we got a nice view of White Wall, which was good, and it was we were seeing a little bit of blue sky. We weren't hearing any wind, yep. And we were like, I think this is. I think we, we at that point we were like, I think we're good, <laughs> and we were like keeping an eye on it, and um, that will come into play later. Oh but hell yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine we, things got ugly later. <laughs> but so we we finally get to Zealand, and we're rotating. Like Dave broke a bunch of trail there, and then you know we rotated pretty well and seven people was a good number the the snow was not bad it was very light and fluffy but it's just sometimes that light and fluffy snow when you're breaking trail can be worse because you slip backwards so um we get to zealand everybody's feeling good and then we get to we head over to guillot and again zealand to guillot is another long hike it is I was call. like, I feel, I keep, I don't know what it is in my mind. I'm like, these are all right next to each other, but there, it's another mile or so to get to Geod. Were you breaking that mile too? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, Glad that's uphill. Go. Yeah. So it was all breaking trail, <laughs> and I, I actually did a good piece of that one. Yeah. Um, I was like trying to stay in the. Me and Audrey were like trying to stay in the back a little. We we're like, we'll we'll stay in the back for a while, but but we rotated through. I, I did do a lot of work later on, um, but then yeah, we get to Guillot, and then once we got above Treeline, it got a little dicey. We had to put our goggles on, yep. and I was behind the group. Those six of them went, and then I lost them, and then I started following them. Wait we a get to what do you mean that, by again? Lost that Guillot area is like a. It's like a confusing it stuff. is dude it's so it, confusing it's a scary place yeah it's like I, we, so I'm heading I, first of all I'm by myself they are all heading down I was just getting my gloves and my, my goggles situated were you starting to cry no no but I was like I, I, I don't want to I don't want them to worry about me hell so yeah yeah. As I'm heading down, I see this group of six people heading towards me, and I was like, "Oh, there's another group coming up," because uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, I didn't." But it was it was our group. What they had done is there's like this little narrow there's like a a 500 foot section of scrub between the lower section of Guillot and the higher section of Guillot, and they right. had hiked so past south. that opening. Yeah, it's south yeah, of the so trail. We, Exactly. So they had hiked past that opening. I was coming towards them. They were coming back looking for where the opening into the scrub area is. Uh. And I was like overshooting it to the left. They were heading back up towards me. And then we realized, Peter found it, I think, and realized like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like to the right of where we were. So we did find it, but it's like a threading a needle to find a tiny little trail that goes through that scrub. Correct. Um, yeah. And then when you get to Guillot, 
Then you've got to go down into the twin way, and that's another narrow, tiny little trail that was completely covered over by snow. So we weren't sure if we got it. So I ended up going down, verified on my um, my app that we were on the right trail, and then we all went forward. And then that's when things got tough because the the wind was okay, visibility was okay, but it was a little rough on Guillaume. So but you then, never saw the, the junction sign? We saw some signs, but it was like... Yeah, because there's a junction happen. sign where you can go right on Twinway and then left on Boncliffe Trail, right? I don't know, honestly. I'm pretty sure. Like, that, I, I, I don't remember any signs being helpful, but um, essentially when you come off a of guillot, you're on Twinway and you head up to guillot campsite in West Bond. Yeah. That section was like a foot of snow the whole way through and we were I was in the front breaking trail the whole time so from Uh Guillaume to West Bond I broke trail in the front and then everyone was behind me I I I was a little bit ahead because I was like I'm gonna make it to the I'm gonna get up I was just like in a zone I stop I did not even see the spur trail to get to Guillaume Tensite didn't even see it I came up on the trail to West Bond the trail sign to West Bond I was like how did I miss the Guillaume trail sign. Like, yeah, it's it was right just a big foot drop. of snow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's just very confusing in that area. And it's, it doesn't matter if the trail's broken out because the wind is going to blow that snow all back on the trail. Right. Did you guys go out to West Bond? So, you, so we went out to West Bond. Um, that must have been and hairy. Then West Bond was like gorgeous, like blue sky. What? Perfect conditions, <laughs> calm as could be. Yeah, no oh, wind, nothing. That's hilarious. Wow. Yeah, squalls are deadly, man. Well, we didn't get the squalls yet, so we got a little oh, bit of squall on okay. Guillaume. Then it was like clearing when we got to West Bond. Peter and a couple of other people went up to Bond ahead of time. A couple of us were just sort of getting situated, having a snack, eating at West Bond, and then we things started changing. You could hear the wind. By the time we made it up to Bond, I was in one section where I couldn't see a foot in front of my face. I didn't have my goggles on either, oh, so the yeah. wind was just whipping up snow, and you couldn't see a foot in front of your face. Did you guys all stay together tight? Um, so Peter and Steve were ahead. Yeah. So they headed down to Bond Cliff a little bit in front of us. Yeah. Um, we were able to spot them up ahead, but the five of us went down. So Bond was created. So we geared up, we got our goggles on, went down to Bond Cliff, broke out of the tree line. And that's when it was like, I posted the video. It was like the squalls came in and you could see like nothing. Yeah. The wind is whipping up. We got hit with like <clears throat> probably 50 mile an hour wind gust, I would say. It was to the point where I was leaning over into the wind, keeping me just stood up. So. Okay. Yeah, were definitely getting, full conditions. But were then you getting as, nervous? No, not really. Because yeah. we could see enough. I okay. could see vis. I had visibility, so it was okay. Yeah. Um, it was like not a lot of visibility, but enough that yep. we could see see the trail. And then by the time we actually got to Bond Cliff, it started clearing up. Oh, good. Well, it seems to work out good for you then. Yeah. Yeah. It was getting about nice. a mile worth of like rough conditions and then a mile and it was like maybe 15 20 minutes worth of time yeah got it wow cool man yeah 
And then it was the death march out, which was brutal. Of course. Uh, it always is. I bet you were like, yeah. oh, man, I wish I could just jog this, get it over with. No, I was like, I need to sit down for five minutes. So we actually sat down when we got to the bottom of the Boncliffe Trail, and I was like, I just need to have like a snack and I collect myself before we do the Lincoln Woods piece of it. So oh, yeah. we got it back to the car at like 545. So it was a long day. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we got it done. It's I don't know for how happy I would have been to do that without staying at the hut, though, because like the road walk and getting up to the hut so long, you know, it's another six miles you add on to it. Whew. Yeah, it's tough, man. Well, congrats. So that brings you up to what for the, your winter 48? 47. Wow. One more to go. Yep. And it could be this weekend, you think? Uh, probably not. I'll do it. I'll do it at some point. I'll, I'll let you know <clears throat> when I go. Yeah. All right, man. Well, nice work, everybody. Yes. Yeah. It was a great crew, and uh, we posted some good pictures on the, the Instagram and stuff, so check it out. Yeah, and be careful up at Gio. Um, if there's calls for squalls, uh, you just got to really play it safe. Yeah, um, I mean, that area, like you said, Stomp, it's just very confusing. It You can't rely on the tree. Even if the trail's broken out, like you can't rely on that because the wind is just going to cause drifts. It, yeah. The other thing, too, you know what was happening was that um, the way the drifts were working is that you would see like, okay, one half of the trail is kind of like there's not a lot of drift, so we'll go to the left. And then when you do that, what ends up happening is you you step in a spruce trap and then right. you're down, even in your snowshoes. So like the, the drifts can be dangerous because you can you can get pushed to one side of the trail or the other depending on where the snow drift is heaviest. And yeah. you go to the light section, but what you don't realize is like you step in in your snowshoes into a deep spruce trap that happened to us like multiple times so uh-huh. you got to be careful especially if you're solo hiking like you 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 got to really stay in the middle of the trail even if you think like oh i'm gonna go off to the side a little bit because there's less snow like stay disciplined correct yeah and that's the classic scenario where uh, a fresh battery gps can come in handy you know mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, um, so, I've been in makes deep spruce difference. traps. Uh, What's say that? it again? Oh, I've been in those deep spruce traps uh, with Nick Rallo a number of years back, heading over to Madison. It's exhausting. It's so tiring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like there'll be a monorail underneath, but you're you're avoiding the monorail because you think you're going to a section where there's less deep snow, but you're really just you can't step too close to the trees because you'll fall in. Yeah, incredible. Wow. All right. Well. It was type type two fun. <laughs> it sounds it. Yes, it does. Well, yeah. well, uh, here we go. Does uh, Here's the next sponsor. And uh, did you have your Vaucluse on your back this weekend? <laughs> I didn't for this one because um, I had so much stuff packed. Yeah. That, um, and I had my big my big backpack on so it's it doesn't perfectly fit it so yeah right um but i will this weekend i'll put it back on it's just i had so much stuff yeah that i just was too honestly i was a little too lazy to put it on but yeah, i will this weekend they've been getting some nice reviews and some um, gear accolades from different uh resources online uh so congratulations vaucluse so does your back sweat uh yes does your backpack not provide enough ventilation? Does your back sweat too much when backpacking? As you know, sweat can be extremely uncomfortable on the trails. 
plus sweat is a serious risk factor in both hot and cold climates. As your clothes get wet, your core temperature can dramatically fluctuate. This can result in hypothermia, heat exhaustion, and dehydration. Let's not forget, very uncomfortable. Today's your lucky day because we have good news for you. There's a piece of gear that solves the sweat and ventilation problem, making your backpack more comfortable. Vaucluse Gear's Ultralight Backpack Ventilation Frame. This ultralight frame is a backpack accessory that easily installs on your favorite pack, size 15 liters to 45 liters, and creates a ventilating airflow gap between you and your pack. It's also ultra light, weighing around three ounces. That's equivalent to a pair of wool socks. Whether hiking in hot or cold temps, the ultralight backpack ventilation frame from the Vaucluse Gear Company is a real game changer regarding airflow and ventilation. So visit vaucluesegear.com to order an ultralight ventilation <coughs> frame today. Use promo code SLASHER to enjoy a $5 discount. Plus, let them know that Mike and Stomp sent you. It's time for Slasher's Notable Hike of the Week. If you want to be considered for the Hike of the Week, simply tag Slasher on your social media post. Very good, Stomp. So this is the part of the show where we do notable listener hikes of the week. Yeah. If you want to tag Slasher on your adventure to be considered for the Hike of the Week, do so, and uh, we'll do our best to cover your adventure and give you a little plug. So we have um, a message from Dave to start us off here. Dave Shits in the Woods, who is our uh, troubled, troubled child who is <laughs> screaming and dying to get recognized. But he writes, um, shaking off the sting of last week's notable hike loss to a dog, not even hiking in Canada, and <laughs> feeling a multiple tie this week. I mean, what am I up against? Mike finishing his winter 48, Littlefoot... Doing the same? Yeah, this is the week. Co-notable hiker, here I come. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> so yeah, Dave's talk- going to have to climb Mount Everest to get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. So uh, we start off, we mentioned Littlefoot. Congratulations, finishing the Winter 48 on Hail. That's super cool. That was tagged by Lynn Sweetser. Uh, Gingerbeard Keen finished the Belknap range. That's cool. Um, that's on my bucket list for sure. Yep. Full Strength Coffee did the Garfield Ridge Trail and saw a red fox. Now, that's a rarity. they got to be in the right place at the right time. Yep. Carrie Hikes a Lot did number 34 on Galehead with minus 15 degree wind chills and survived to tag us. Very good, very good. Mike Ladavaya, sorry, I butchered that, I'm sure. Brooks Fisher to Crawford Ridgepole for some great views of the lakes. I love that area. Um, I've actually been thinking about doing that traverse very, very soon. If I Even maybe this Friday after uh, virtual, so we'll see. Okay. Yeah, well, then we'll see. Fin- Kimmy Fit. Unfinished business with that, that area, right, Stone? <laughs> yeah, it's a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. But uh, this blew me away. I love this video so much. Kimmy Fit 71 uh, posted us on Tecumseh with this epic butt sled video. Oh, unbelievable. She texted me like the video early. It was like unbelievable. Yeah, you know, as I was watching it, I didn't read the uh, commentary under the, the post, but uh, I was thinking, was it, where was this? Was it, uh, you it was know. Tecumseh. 
I, yeah, it's amazing. But I was thinking like yeah. Carrigan. But yeah, wow. She was cruising and the video went on and on and on and on and on. It was so great. So yeah. very cool. Yeah. And they go, just to, just for a pro tip here, is they go late in the day. So yeah. they're like, they make sure they're kind of the last ones going down so that they don't have to deal with any hikers coming up, up the trail. Yeah, that's smart. Yep. Uh, a couple more here. So Liz Fay and Dave Shits in the Woods. Blue Mountain Chicora, Blue Mountain Northwest, and Blue Mountain Northeast. I have no idea where these are. I mean, I'm assuming they're near Chicora. Do you yes. have any idea where these are? I do. Um... In these conditions, that's pretty notable. That might be a, a co-notable hike of the week, don't you think? Mm, we'll see. But I think it's it's off of um, like Middle Sister Trail. So when you go, um, yeah, it's kind of like um, off to the right of Middle Sister Trail. So it's not that far actually off trail. And then when you get to Blue Mountain, there's another summit that's over there. So um, okay. I've always been kind of curious about that. So I wonder if there's views. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe we can have him in again. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we have to have him in again. He's yeah, fine. no doubt. Uh, so a little foot again for Wildcat A&D, um, which takes some courage. Carrie hikes a lot, tagged us for a second time for isolation for 35 out of 48. And then finally, we have Nick hikes and plays guitar, doing something that I thought was in the middle of Europe. I was looking at these pictures, but it ended, right. ended up being in the ADK. It was an yep. attempt of Mount Colden with a C, C-O-L-D-E-N. Wow, nice pictures. Incredible. Yeah, he's an incredible photographer. Um, okay. Nick hikes and plays guitars. Definitely check him out on Instagram. He's got some great photos. Oh, yeah. All right, Mike, so what do you think? Uh, um, hmm, not Dave. I mean, Littlefoot got her own segment almost. I know, Littlefoot got her own segment. So I would say <laughs> I'm going to give it to Full Strength Coffee because I saw Jeff and the crew last weekend. So I'm going to give him the notable hike because he saw a fox. Very cool, very cool. I'm going to keep that theme going on where Dave's going to be bitter because he lost to a fox. <laughs> Oh my goodness, this is too much. And uh, this would be where we're going into uh, our interview with Eric Hamilton, but that will be next week. And um, just to start off the search and rescue section, we do have the return of 48 Peaks Alzheimer's for the season. So everybody's getting geared up for another great fundraising event and uh, celebration at Reckless. So use your passion for hiking to help and help end Alzheimer's. In one collective effort, 400 plus hikers will climb New Hampshire's 4,000 foot or create their own challenge to support the mission of the Alzheimer's Association. The annual hiker celebration will take place Saturday, June 8th at Reckless Brewing Company with raffles, food, and an amazing community. Hike that weekend or any day you want. No fundraising minimums required, but those who raise $100 will receive this year's performance-grade purple t-shirt. Let's turn the White Mountains purple to end Alzheimer's. Visit alts.org right slash 48 peaks to learn more. And uh, I was invited to DJ, so that's super cool. So if anybody wants to hear anything particular, send us a message and I'll jot it down.
Awesome stop. So um, we're going to start off recent search and rescue news with a visit to your neighborhood. Yeah, I know. I was jealous. I like yeah, FOMO. Injured hiker on Welsh Dickey Trail in Waterville Valley. So mm. this happened on, what is today, the 22nd? So It was the same day as the, uh, the Amanusik. Yeah, so Saturday, so uh, February 17th, so 1240, fishing game notified of an injured hiker. The hiker had been descending Welsh Mountain. Um, Which one is Welsh? Welsh is going counterclockwise, the first one on the the right as you're going counterclockwise. Okay. So yeah. the, the not the one in the back of that me and you and, and my friend Jay went and found that big plateau. That's that's Dicky. Yeah. Correct. That's Dicky. Right. Okay. So Welsh. Um, so this hiker suffered a serious lower leg injury that prevented her from being able to finish the hike. So rescuers from the Waterville Valley Department of Public Safety, Campton Thornton Fire and Rescue, Pemi Valley, SAR team, and conservation officers with Fish and Game responded. Um the first rescuers reached the injured hiker at 2.45. She was about 1.3 miles from the trailhead. Um, Massachusetts hiker from Somerville. Um, due to the nature of the injury, they had put her They put her in a litter, and they carried her down the trail. At times, they had to belay the litter with a rope on steep, icy portions of the trail. And mm-hmm. they ended up getting her out at about 4.30. So yeah. uh, Fishing Game gave the hiker kudos. She was well-prepared for a winter hike, and they were wearing microspike traction device. So things happen. She just must have slipped or something. So, uh, But all's yeah. well that ends well in this one. Correct. Yeah, apparently it was near the one of the lower ledges on uh, Welch. Those ledges yep. are pretty massive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. tricky up there. Yeah, so your sure. theory about like a, so your 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 theory is that we had a warming and then a freezing and everything got just too slick for everybody. Ye, well, yeah, I, yeah. I, essentially, it froze last weekend after that fifty degree day. Everything got melted and then froze up hard, and then it snowed again. So all that ice was covered up with a, a nice, pretty layer of powder, and uh, I, that's just my assumption that uh, people were just tackling some ice underneath that uh caused these problems yeah 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 two in one day yeah two in one or three in one day uh yeah, true, so true. Uh, this other one saturday february 27th this one came in at 250 so this is on mount avalon so for yeah. people that aren't familiar with mount avalon it's on the 52 with a view uh like welsh dickey it is um, at the same location where you would climb Mount Willie, Tom, and Field. So it's right at the, uh, and, and also Mount Willard. So it's right at the train station at the uh, Highland Center in Crawford Notch. So um, a lot of people will add Avalon on as a loop to do Willie, Tom, and Field. So uh, there's a section of this trail that's super, super steep, though. So it's, it is sketchy when it, when it freezes over. So this call came in at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Hiker was located just below the summit of Mount Avalon, which is right by the steepest part of the trail, is right as you approach the summit. She was unable to move on her own. This is a terrible spot to, to need a yeah. rescue terrible so right before her injury she'd been using a small sled to assist her down some steep sections of the trail 
Unfortunately, she could not control her speed and direction and hit a tree, which caused her to suffer a lower leg injury. So she was hiking with a friend who stayed with her as other Good Samaritan hikers reached out offering assistance. So that's great. They were able to provide her with extra clothing to stay warm while awaiting rescue personnel. So it was a 37-year-old hiker from Maine. So, All right. I have questions. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, were they butt sledding? I mean, she had a sled. And right. she was on a butt, so I think yes. <laughs> okay, so that brings up topics. <laughs> I would not, uh, that section of Avalon, there's no way that I would, bu- I mean, I might butt sled without a sled in that section. Sure, maybe, sure. Maybe. To not gain it, speed. Yeah, I mean, I would be, be damn sure my feet were able to dig into the trail itself. Wow, Interesting. But I don't know. Maybe she just did full send and just nailed a tree. I don't know. Yeah, fastest known butt sled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, for the butt sledding, and I've done a fair amount of it uh, in the last couple of weeks. Is I, I don't wear my micro spikes. I, I take them off, and I've got like a, a pretty good, strong pair of leather work gloves. So everything's in my backpack, and then I'm on. The, I got the sled. I've got my boots with no spikes on. So I can dig into the snow and then I've got my leather work gloves so I can dig into the snow and I'm actually like almost clawing my hands into the snow as I'm going and then I'm digging my feet in at the same time so I can stop and then I'm not going down anything that's excessively steep. If I do have to go down something excessively steep, then I'm, I'm not using a sled. I'm just butt sledding down. Yeah, makes sense. But if you, if like you said is correct and it was frozen over and then, or if it was warmed up and then frozen over again, then it could be that if other people were butt sledding down it, it just could be super fast and she just lost control. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going by what I saw on the, uh, the snowmobile trails and a lot of the, the corners, the certain sections were just absolute glare ice that the, the fresh snow had just been pushed off of. So you could see the underbelly and it was not pretty. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, so the call came in around 3. The rescuers got to her around 5.30. So she was good. There was good enough. She was lucky enough to have some good Samaritan other hikers that kept her warm. Two and a half hour wait to get a rescue. They put her in a litter. And I don't know, Stomp. I haven't done these. I've never been on a rescue, so I don't know. But they got her down to the trailhead by 7.15. And I know it's not super far. Yep. Avalon, but that tells me that like they must have been able to like move her pretty quickly on like the 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 litter. Do they generally like will will they just slide them in the snow in the litter, or do they actually carry the litter? It depends on the situation. Um, you know, some teams use the skeds, which are basically like plastic sleds that fold up like a burrito. Sometimes they use a a traditional litter with a fiberglass bottom that you can actually pick up not that you can't pick up the sked that you can pick them up as well it depends um in certain sections i can imagine carrying rather than dragging just because of the steepness or the risk of losing somebody you know just dropping them and having a, a a worse incident but um yeah it varies depends on the context but i can't imagine yeah like a, a regular litter a summertime litter nah it's probably yeah. fiberglass or something. Yeah. We did see the litter that's cached at Bondcliff. Yeah, yeah. That one goes back to um, uh, the Roma, Roma incident, I believe. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's still cash there. It's just like it's right before the uh, the chimney to climb up to the get above tree line. So good spot for it. Needed. Yeah, I yep. remember reading online. People were <laughs> advising others not to touch it. Like people wanted to drag it out. <laughs> God. Yeah, no, no, no. We we left it yeah, where uh, it was. Yeah. So, um, Anywho. Anyway, so now there's a couple of other incidents here with snowmobiles here. Yeah. So, I 54 only, year old. I only New add Hampshire. these if they're interesting. These two are somewhat unusual. Yeah, yeah. So this is a 54 year old New Hampshire native suffered serious injuries. Um, this is in Horace Lake, also known as Weir Reservoir, in the town of Weir. Yeah. So. Um, Onlookers witnessed the crash, and after an investigation, it appears that this this gentleman was not wearing a helmet at the time of the crash. Speed <laughs> appears to be the primary contributing factor. So wow. um, two red flags. Yeah, yeah. So this guy was out being wild, wild and woolly. I can't. I can't even imagine doing that without a helmet. No way. Oh. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even think about it. And yeah. then, oh, did you pull this one because of my Connecticut comment before? Uh, the last one, no. It's it's more of a, a terrain, a geographical type of interesting feature of this story that's f- interesting to know. I had not thought of it. Yeah, I can remember I was making fun of Connecticut and Rhode Island for being bad drivers. Yeah. Well, you, going back to that, it looks like there were a lot of uh, accidents that are rental sleds. So I don't know what's going on with some of these companies renting to people that may not be experienced enough, but that's definitely an issue that's got to change. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, this one happened on Wednesday, so yeah. like two days ago. So this is up in Pittsburgh, New Hampshire. 45-year-old gentleman from East Haven, New, uh, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was involved in a crash uh, with multiple people on First Connecticut Lake in Pittsburgh. So right. when rescuers got to the scene, they identified that uh, this gentleman, older, uh, 45-year-old gentleman, had his young daughter in the back of the snowmobile during the crash. However, Terrifying. after evaluation by medical personnel, it was determined she was uninjured, but the father's injuries were severe enough that a call was placed to Dartmouth-Hitchcock Advanced Response Team, which is the Dart helicopter, yep. and they had to transfer him to a major trauma center. So, um, Here's where it gets interesting. Yeah, so an ambulance transported the victim from First Connecticut Lake to the landing zone at Dorman's Gas in Pittsburgh to meet the Dart helicopter, where he was ultimately transported to Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center for serious injuries. On scene, they determined that uh, the rider was riding with a large group of riders on First Connecticut Lake and hit a pressure ridge on the ice, throwing him and his daughter from the machine Multiple other machines in the riding party struck the pressure ridge, wow. which threw their operators as well. Everyone else involved in the strike were either uninjured or refused medical treatment. Uh, so in the last several days, a large pressure ridge formed approximately a half a mile south of Camp Otter Road in the northern third of the lake and is a significant hazard but is easily negotiated by going at a slow and controlled speed. Right. So the crash is still under investigation. However, at this time, the incident appears to have been caused by excessive speed and inattention to potential hazards. So, Stomp, what is a pressure ridge on ice? 
Well, it's really, really fascinating. I mean, it's the first I've heard a story like that, but it's a ridge that's formed in pack ice by accumulation of ice blocks in the convergence between flows. So it's where two flows converge. You have an uplifting of the ice upward. So it makes basically a ramp. And what's interesting about this, it goes back to, say, some of the uh, the old uh, Arctic expeditions back in the 1800s and whatnot. They, if they got stuck in these ice flows, the ice would actually just crush the ships be- oh, because so of the like pressure. Oh, so like two, two plates of ice that just crush into each other. And exactly. Then they, they, they create like a little, a little like um, fold that goes up. Yeah, and like then a pyramid maybe or they didn't see them because they were like covered in snow or something. But like usually they're pretty big. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, basically, the if they had been going slower, it probably would not have been an issue. But if you're ripping, and it, the other interesting thing about this story, they say that there is no speed limit on uh, lakes and ponds for the well, at least the majority of lakes and ponds. I did not know that either. So people are ripping as fast as they can over these things. But that is a risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So anyway, wow. more snowmobile escapades. But stop. <laughs> this is it. We've completed episode 141. This was yeah. great. We talked about a bunch of rescues. We talked about a bunch of hikes. We learned about pressure ridges. I feel much smarter after talking to you. Oh, that's nice. And we saved uh, Eric Hamilton. He was, uh, it was actually a search and rescue. He was out freezing in his car trying to get a connection with us. We said, yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do it next week. <laughs> we'll get him next week. And then we have the script all ready to go, too, so we don't have to do any extra work. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yes. All right. Until next week. Yeah. See you then. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Nealon, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us.